in this series so far, we've looked at some odd things that God commands of us. Uh, he commands us to love him. He commands us to have faith in him. Uh, it only seemed fitting that on Halloween, we would talk about the fact that there's another peculiar thing that God asks of us or commands of us, and that is that he actually commands us to fear him also, which is kind of odd when you think about it. I mean, it's just as odd as commanding someone to love, just as odd as commanding someone to have faith. It's also equally, if not more odd, that God would command us to fear him. I mean, I don't know what your take on Halloween is. I, it, either way, I'm not, I don't have a dog in that fight kind of thing. But I'm, I'm not big into the scary stuff. I just, I'm not. Um, I, I don't like to pay money to go to a scary movie. Uh, I just don't like to be scared. How many of y'all love scary movies? Anybody here? A couple, how many are like, no, not for me, not at all. Yep. Um, I've lived here 15, 16 years now. Never been to Hunt Club for their haunted thing. Never been to Hallow Scream. There's just... I don't want to pay $32 to have somebody scare me. I just, call me names if you want, that's fine. That's just not entertainment to me. Uh, my idea of a haunted house is the one they got at Disney World. That's like my speed right there. We go through there. If you've been to that one, that's kind of fun, you know, whatever, the holograms and the thing with you. I, I like that. But I don't want to go somewhere just to have somebody terrify me. It's just, it's not a fun experience. And so, because of that, then when I think about God saying, fear me, or the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. So let me, let me get this straight. I don't know anything. I'm not smart at all if I don't fear God, and God's actually commanding me to fear him. I'm not really excited about that as I, as I think about fear. The other thing about it is, uh, to kind of explain this, is, is the fear that we talk about at Halloween is not at all the kind of fear that we're talking about in Scripture. Let me begin with that. It's a fake fear. It's nothing really to be feared at all. I mean, after all, it's, what is it anyway? It's somebody dressed up with a, you know, a mask and a, you know, fake chainsaw running at you. I know some of y'all are hardcore and you like those kind of uh, ha- uh, Halloween kind of things. Uh, you, by the way, if you've gotten to the point where that's just not doing it for you, there's actually a, a haunted house. I don't know where it is, but I don't know if they still do it, where you have to sign a waiver to go in. Because in a typical haunted house, they can't touch you. That's legally, they can't like touch you. There is a haunted house, I don't know if they're still running it, where they can like mess with you while you're in there. They can grab you, they can push you, they can knock you down, they can physically hurt you while you're in there. And like if you walk through there and go, ah, not a big deal, not a big deal, go for it if you want. Not for me. But that kind of fear is nothing compared to the kind of fear that God's talking about. It's not that it's not a fear, it's just so much more extreme. Those are child's play compared to what the fear of the Lord actually is. And it's hard to talk about the fear of the Lord in modern church because it's almost like as if Michael Scott brings it out. Do I want to be feared or want to be loved? It seems like those are the opposite ends, right? I mean, how can you love somebody you fear? I mean, are you afraid of how much you love God? What, what really is God after here? Modern church, essential is one of them, where it seems like there's a heavier emphasis on the love of God, isn't there not? I mean, after all, it's a come-as-you-are culture. That's why people wear jeans, t-shirt to church. That's okay. That's all cool, whatever. You know, we often say, come as you are, but just don't stay that way because God loves you where you're at but he calls you to become more like him. That's in far contrast to the way church looked 100 years ago. And the reason why the bumper video shows some of that uh, type of cathedral artwork and, and presence is those cathedrals brought out a sense of the fear of God, the awe of God. Like when you, if you've walked into those, tu- uh, those chapels, maybe you went to a French church, maybe you went to a funeral or a wedding, maybe when you were on vacation somewhere, you visited one of the historic uh, cathedrals somewhere in the world or in America. You walk in and the ceilings are 
extremely high. I mean, our ceilings here are 25 feet or so. The ceilings in some of those are 40, 50, 60 feet high. And there's a sense when you walk in, you just feel very, very small, as you should. When you come before God, just how small are you? And it brings out the reality of just how small you are before God, not to mention the fact that surrounding you are the works of of masters, sculptors, painters, stained glass. And, And it's when you look at the artwork that is done by the true masters of painting, and you think about the stuff that you've painted in your life, doesn't matter how good of an artist you are, you look at the stuff that's on the Sistine Chapel, and you suddenly feel like all your artwork is like a five-year-old stick figure drawing, don't you? Because before God, all your work is trash compared to his beauty and perfection of what he's brought to you. And you see the sculptings, and you've made a few things out of Play-Doh, you've made some things out of Silly Putty, you've made some sandcastles, but then you see these sculptures that are in these cathedrals. I mean, just even the columns and the way that they are, Maybe you've built a few things. Maybe you've done a Home Depot work project. These cathedrals took masters at their trades generations to build. Master artisans would work on it, train their children to become master artisans who would then work on it, and then maybe their grandchildren maybe might complete the work. Maybe. That's how amazing and magnificent these cathedrals were all to bring out the reality, your best is nothing compared to what is out there, compared to who God is. Not only that, the way they were set up, you know, we're all kind of homey and, you know, welcome and kind of comforting here. Remember the way this cathedral set up? There's like a railing, and you can't go beyond the railing? You know, oh, not to mention the fact that when you come in, you're wearing what we call your Sunday best. If you're going to present yourself to God, you better you know, bring yourself at your best. But even at that, you sit out there, you don't come beyond the railing wearing your Sunday best. No, you've got to wear a robe to be beyond the rail, right? Whoever's up there is always has a robe on. Priest, choir, altar boys, whoever it is up there, always wearing robes, as though they're somehow a little bit closer to the holiness and the presence of God. And it brings out the reality, you're not holy and pure enough to get any closer to God than right where you're at. You sit yourself on that hard, cold pew, and you think about who you are before a holy and mighty God. The entire experience is to bring out and put you in the place and bring out their awe and reverence and the fear of the Lord. It's a little bit harder on modern modern setting to do it, but I'm hoping that you can experience some of that this morning because you'll see the fear of the Lord in some very odd places. It comes at you when you don't even expect it. I remember reading through Luke chapter 5 one day. Uh, It's a story, maybe you're familiar with it. Jesus teaching on the seashore, talking to the masses, then he turns to Peter. They just they just meet recently, gotten to know each other. This is in, this is early on in their time. Uh, he wasn't even a disciple yet. He was just a fisherman that knew Jesus. And Jesus says to him, "Hey, let's go fishing." And you know the story. Peter's like, "Come on, man. We've been fishing it all night. This is the worst time we did to even go fishing. We didn't catch anything last night. It's just, they just aren't biting. They just aren't jumping in the net. We ain't going." He's like, "No, no. Just humor me. Let's go." He's like, "All right. Well, because you're Jesus, we'll go. That's fine. You're gonna see I'm right. You're wrong." They get out there. Jesus says, all right, this is a good spot. Put your nets down. They put the nets down. And it's as if every fish in the Sea of Galilee decides they need to get in that net immediately. There's so many fish in the net, they can't even pull the thing up. Now, what happens next is what's odd in the story. Now, to begin with, I'm not a very good fisherman. I'm lucky if I come home with bait at the end of the day. I, I, I really, like after we go fishing, I take the kids to Red Lobster. You know what I'm talking about? 
We'll get the catch of the day there. <laughs> but I've seen on Deadliest Catch and some of the other TV shows, like what happens when they bring in a full crab pot, when they bring in a good load. They're dancing on the deck. They're, you know, they're smiling. They're laughing. They're singing. What do you think a guy like Peter would do when he sees this thing brought in? It's very odd. It says in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, when Peter saw the fish and how full the nets were, it says he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away, I'm a sinful man. Odd response, right? Never seen that on Deadly's Catch. Right? Odd. But as you look into scriptures, you'll see this same kind of odd thing happening in other places too. For instance, uh, John, he was one of Jesus' disciples, uh, refers to himself, if you read the book of John, he always calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? When Jesus is up there at the cross, John's there before him, right next to Mary, and Jesus looks out at John, he says, hey John, can you take care of my mama for me? Can you treat her as though she were your mama? Mom, let John look after you like, like I would. That's how close these two were. He writes the book of John. He writes 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And he writes the book of Revelation because in, at one point in his life, he got to go get a glimpse of heaven. I don't know if he got transferred. I don't know how it worked. He sees Jesus up in heaven. This guy that he hung out with, he ate with, talked with, joked with, fished with, all those things all his life, right? It says in Revelation 1, 17, when I saw Jesus... I fell to the ground as though I were dead. Like, you ever had like a knee-trembling moment? His knees weren't trembling. They literally gave out. It doesn't say, I knelt. It says, I fell. Just as though I were dead, could not move. I thought this was your, I thought this was your homeboy, right? Isn't Jesus my homeboy? Isn't Jesus my friend? Wasn't he your buddy? I mean, if anybody was a buddy of Jesus, it was this guy, and here he is literally as though he is dead before him. Can't move. Isaiah has this moment. Isaiah is a priest over in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. He walks into the temple one day. It's kind of funny. He walks in the temple, and he sees the, just the edge of the, the robe of God's garment in the temple. That's all he sees. And he says, woe is me, for I am done. I'm an unclean man with unclean lips among a people who are unclean. And my eyes have seen the king. And I know you don't walk into God's presence the way I am and walk away. I'm done. Every time anybody has ever come into God's presence, they've been smote on the spot and they're done for. And he just sees the edge of his garment. So it's kind of funny. Isaiah walks in. The last thing on earth he expects to see in the church is God. And when he sees God, he literally says, oh, no. Oh, no. In modern terms, he's like, I'm screwed. I'm done. It's over. Kind of odd when you think about it. I mean, if he's a priest, wouldn't you expect to see God there? Moses, he sees a burning bush. Peculiar, interesting, sure. But it says he was afraid. He was terrified. Jacob, you remember the story about Jacob seeing like a stairway up to heaven kind of thing, you know? It says, I was terrified. For the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. I just thought I was out in the. I just thought I was out in the country. I thought I was out here camping. I just thought I was here under the stars. Not only that, anybody who sees somebody who just came from the presence of God also has the same reaction. 
When an angel of the Lord comes in the presence of God and sees some shepherds on a hillside in the Christmas story, what happens? They're terrified. Sore afraid, right? When, when, when God comes down to, to, to send an angel, when God sends an angel to go talk to Mary to give her great news, what's her first response? She's terrified. Just seeing somebody who's been in the presence of God radiating his glory and majesty is enough to strike fear to the heart of a person. This is the fear of the Lord. Now, I can tell you about all these things, but the thing about fear is you can't really explain it. You have to experience it, right? Like, somebody like, oh, so how was Hollow Scream? How was the Haunted Hayride? Oh, he was so scary. What happened? Well, there was this guy, and he came out. I, I, I don't know. Really, he was like a 14-year-old kid who worked at Burger King most of the year, but he's over here getting paid a little extra money to come out with a fake chainsaw running at me. I don't know. It was just so scary. Oh, and you paid 30 bucks for that? Your money. It doesn't really compute, does it? It doesn't really, doesn't really convey. Like, you can explain fear, but it's not until you feel fear that you really understand fear. You with me on this? I want to help you try to experience this. I don't know if you're going to. It's always a risk when you're trying to help, when you're trying to get somebody to experience something by using their imagination. But if you will and you want to play along, at times just close your eyes as I, as I bring up various scenarios and picture being in that place and what you would feel in that moment, okay? If you want to, you can play along. If not, you can just be like, eh, what am I going to have for lunch today? It's fine. Just tune me out. That's cool. But if you could, just play along. Because the fear of the Lord is quite complex, and it's not like a Halloween scare ride. It's much more complex. It's, it's a culmination of things. The fear of the Lord encompasses a lot of things. Like, for instance, you ever had a time when you literally were just awestruck? Like, Isaiah talks about this when he talks about God. He says, God, when you did things we weren't expecting, we realized holy and awesome is your name. You blew our minds, God. It's kind of funny, like now, like with TikTok and with Facebook and Instagram, all those things, it's almost like as if this happens like on a nightly basis, like you'll flip through. Have you not seen some just amazing videos? Like I remember this one, this girl, she was on a balance board, it's like a little rolly ball thing with a platform. She's on a handstand. Somebody gives her a bow and arrow that she holds with her legs. She holds the bow with her one toe, you know, with her toe. She pulls the bowstring back with her other with the arrow and shoots and knocks out a balloon with it. Just explaining it sounds crazy, right? And you're like, whoa, right? When you see something like that, what do you do? Whoa, look, look, oh, whoa, right? It blows your mind. Or you're at a magic show, and you're watching something, and all of a sudden there's something there that is not there, and what do you do? You go, how do you do that? Right? Or maybe there's other times where you, maybe it happens in sports. Um, like when, when Odell Beckham catches that pass, way back here, were you not going, whoa, right? It actually happened to me just yesterday at a Florida State game. It doesn't happen very often at a Florida State game anymore, but it actually happened yesterday. We scored. That wasn't the whoa part. That was whoa enough, honestly, because we don't score very much. What happened, though, is we, this guy caught a screen pass, took the thing 50-some yards, about 50 yards you know, into the run, he gets tackled. It was one of those tackles where the defender tries to tackle him, but all the, all the guy does is roll over the body of the defender on the ground, and the Florida State guy never touched the ground. He just rolled on top of the defender and literally rolled, spun, got up, and continued on another 20-some yards to the end zone. Yeah, I was like, wow. I was like, whoa. 
we scored, whoa! You know, it's one of those things where you watch the replay like seven times because you just can't believe it. And you're just like, whoa! Now, all of that, imagine what it would have been like if the disciples had iPhones. <laughs> How many followers do you think Peter would have had when that stuff comes in? It's like, hold it, guys, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Mm, 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 mm. Load that baby up. How many people do you think are watching that video, right? Or, or, so Peter's moment was there on the boat with a big catch of fish. The other disciples had a similar moment. Picture this moment. You ever been like out on a boat and the waves are about to take you? Eight foot seas. I've been out multiple times in, you know, eight, nine foot seas in 22 foot boats. That's not fun, right? Not fun at all. You, you literally are thinking you're going to die. That happened to the disciples once. And what is Jesus doing when this is happening? Sleeping in the back of the boat. And it's really weird because they're like, what are we going to do? We're going to die. Well, Jesus is going to die too if we die. Let's go get him up. And Jesus wakes up and he's like, what's the commotion? They're like, the waves, whoa. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> but he wasn't talking to the disciples. He was talking to the wind and the waves. Now, a lot of people talk to wind and waves, and they're cuckoo. They're cuckoo because the wind and the waves don't listen to them. On this day, the waves were like, sorry about that. It literally went from seas big enough to capsize a boat to being like glass. You ever been on the water when it was like glass? And the wind and the waves, we had some really kind of weird weather this past week with the wind blowing like, you know, 30 miles an hour and the skies looking like it was like Halloween coming on you. Just picture it being like that and all of a sudden, boom, clear skies. Could you imagine filming that sucker right there? It says the disciples were terrified and they asked the question, who is Jesus? Who talks to the wind and the wave and they listen? You don't think your mouth would be left wide open? You don't think you'd be posting that video? Freak you out. The fear of the Lord encompasses that kind of an emotion and experience. It's also the kind of experience you have, like you ever been like building something, like a very complex like jigsaw cut, and then slide it and all of a sudden, first cut, the thing slides perfectly into place? It probably has never happened to you. Maybe it happens to you like once in a, maybe switch here, maybe for some of y'all get this one. You ever had like that mint green dress you got to wear for this wedding and you're looking for shoes at every single store and then all of a sudden you find the exact, exact color match and a pair of shoes at Payless and they're on sale? Does that not blow your mind? Whoa! Woo! Right? Don't you text that to somebody? I know you do. It blew your mind enough you had to tell somebody else because you can't believe it yourself. Or think about a time where you got to the point where you couldn't even talk straight. Maybe it was back in middle school when you went to talk to that girl and you wanted to ask her to the dance. You just didn't know what to say. Uh, or maybe you met somebody famous and, and 
I met Don Shula once. Um, I'm a Dolphin fan growing up. He's the greatest coach, all-time winningest coach, only coach of an undefeated season. I'll continue to talk about the Dolphins if you want me to. <laughs> it's all historical, though. Um, I remember meeting Don Shula at an event when he was opening a steakhouse. And I went and met him, and I, I don't even know what I said. I don't think I said anything. It was just awkward. And he goes, how about we pose for a picture? <laughs> you know, there it was. There was my moment. Blew it. I just, I don't know what happened. It's like you get so awestruck that you, your, your mind doesn't have the ability to speak words. I don't know how that happens. It's like you're trembling in that moment. So it's the sense of this awestruck wonder and amazement. But it's also, to combine with that, this, this awareness of who you are before. Like, we all try to control our world right? You know, you get a sense of power when you got some things under control. It could be your kids under control, your finances under control, your life under control, your decisions under control. But then you have these moments where all of a sudden you start to feel really, 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 really small. I remember going to Cape Canaveral uh, to, to, to NASA where they have all the old rockets. Go stand next to one of those, old, those, those rockets. They're huge. Huge isn't even a word for them. I used to have a toy space shuttle. That's not like an airplane. It's huge. The thing that brings the, the, the space shuttle out to the launching pad is massive. I mean, like, just the tread on the thing is as big as, like, the, the thickness of just the tread is, 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 is as tall as you are. They're massive. Or if you've ever been to the Redwood Forest, you know, trees that are so wide you could cut a hole in them and drive a car through it. So tall that you get a sense of vertigo just looking up and when you're trying to walk through the thing, you almost get dizzy and fall down. Or maybe if you've ever been to New York City and you've walked, just walk down the street in New York City and just look straight up at the buildings. You almost get to the point where you can't, you just, it's, it's amazing just how big, and, the, and in the presence of something that big, you just feel very, 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 very small. Or maybe think about a time where you looked up into the sky and you just saw stars everywhere. And you thought to yourself, I think I'm seeing every single one God created. Astrologers tell us that, um, or astronomers, whatever, astronomers, they tell us that if you were to hold your thumb up like this, you'd be covering up 10 billion galaxies with your thumb. And it's in a moment like that, the psalmist writes, when I consider the heavens and the stars above and the wonders of your works, how on earth do you even care about somebody as small as me? I mean, I am, how big am I in comparison to the size of the universe. You just feel so small and so insignificant. Or what about a time where you, you just felt so powerless? You thought everything was in control, you thought it was all good. Maybe you're out on a nature walk and all of a sudden you realize there's a snake right at your feet. Or there's a mama bear coming at you. Remember I had this moment when I was down in the Keys diving when I was a kid. I was like 13, 14 years old. And my dad gave me this dive knife to you know, strap on my ankle. You ever seen those things? It looked like a Rambo knife, like Crocodile Dundee thing. I saw it like, mm, I'm ready for action, baby. <laughs> I'm feeling good, right? Saw a barracuda, come at me, boy, come at me. And then I saw a hammerhead shark a little bit bigger than me <laughs> between me and the boat. Suddenly that knife didn't feel very comforting. 
I, I, I realized I needed to bring something else, something that exploded or shot or something, I don't know. I was terrified. I went from feeling like I'm King Neptune of the sea to feeling like I'm a guppy in a tuna fish world. So you've got this sense of awe and you've got this sense of an awareness of just your size in relation to everything else, but there's also this sense of the fear of the Lord, which is the authority of God. Maybe when you were at boot camp and an admiral showed up, you'd never seen an admiral. You'd never seen anybody with a star. Like the whole uniform looks different. And you realize, you know, that your chief, sergeant, whatever, looks at you and says, you better be perfect on this. And you know you could get knocked back to week one of boot camp if you mess this thing up. You've never stood more at attention. You've never stiffened so much. You're sitting there, please, please, please don't stop at my bed. Please, 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 please don't look at my uniform. Please, 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 no, 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 no. Just walk on by. I don't want, no, no, I don't want that on me. Or maybe you've gone for a job interview that you had to get. It was going to devastate you and your family if you don't get this job or this loan. And this person has the authority to change everything in your life. Or think about that time when you were in court. I know at this church all y'all been in court for something. I remember my first time in court. <laughs> That's a fun sentence to say. <laughs> it, was for a, it was for a traffic thing. I was actually innocent. I honestly was. Honestly was. Honestly was. Uh-huh. I was also found innocent too, by the way. And it was this thing, though, I read the back of the ticket, and if you read the, actually read the fine print, it says that if I'm found guilty, not only could I pay the fine, but they could put court fees on me of up to $1,000. What 16-year-old has an extra $1,000 laying around to give to the court for a judge that ain't happy with him? And I'm sitting there like, I'm innocent, and I want to fight this because this was wrong. It was abusive. This cop should not have pulled me over, picking on a kid, coming out of a high school football game, you know, easy pickings. And I didn't do anything wrong, but I was just easy pickings. I went to fight it, terrified, even though I was innocent. Why? Because that judge had the power to lower it on me. Or maybe you've been in the situation where a judge's gavel determines how often you get to see your kids or how free you're going to be for the next 20 years. That's a scary moment, is it not? All that power invested in one person. That's the experience of the fear of the Lord. Or what about a time when you were driving and you knew you were about 15 miles an hour over the speed limit and just all of a sudden, poking out of the bushes, you see this gray car. And you look over, and right as you look over, you look into the windshield, and that guy's looking right at you. You make eye contact. You know instantly. What happens physiologically? I don't know. It's like somebody pours ice water right into your nerves, you know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, you get that weird, you know what I'm talking about? You feel that? And all you're doing is you're looking in the rearview mirror, staring right at his car tires. Are they moving or are they not? Are they moving or are they not? Are they moving or are they not? And you're, you're driving 10 and 2, right? 
or maybe you know what you've done it's going to devastate someone you love when you tell them but you got to tell them tonight because it's coming out they're going to find out from somebody else if you don't tell them tonight you're driving home and you pull in the driveway and you just sit there Your world's not going to be the same after night, neither is theirs. How are you feeling in that moment? You don't even want to get out of the car. Somehow the words come out of your mouth, we need to talk. After a long pause, you didn't begin to confess what's going on in your life. So take that add that to the sense of awe, to the sense of awareness of just how small you are, the sense of the authority that is over your life, the sense of brokenness for who you truly are and your sins revealed. But now also add to that this, you ever had a moment where you just had so much gratitude you couldn't express it to someone? Maybe you did have that talk and they looked at you and they said, I forgive you. What do you say back? Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Want to go get some pizza? What do you do? Or maybe somebody's given you something that you have no way of repaying. This happened to me. I was uh, just finished up seminary. And my dad had this friend named Marie Henry. Uh, cute little old lady, sweet little lady. Uh, she was a volunteer at the VA hospital where he worked. Um, she looked very similar to the grandma on Christmas vacation. You know, the one who, sings, who says the Pledge of Allegiance when it's time to pray? <laughs> and she tells my dad, I've only met this lady once, right? I went to see my dad at the hospital and met her, and um, just in passing. And my dad says, oh, yeah, Marie Henry, Marie Henry, she, she, wants, to, she wants to give you a graduation present. She wants to, wants to go out to dinner. I'm like, I'm 23. Don't judge. I'm like, can't she just mail it like everybody else did? It's like, no, no, she wants to, wants to take you out to a nice dinner. All right, fine. So go out to dinner with this old lady. And uh, she hands me this card. And I open it, and it's all this. She's Catholic, all right? And it's all this real Catholic-y, Catholic-y, Catholic stuff, right? I think her priest actually blessed the card. That's a thing. You can have a priest bless a card. And there was a check in there. You know, and I... I, you know, I did what you're supposed to do. I, I remember, you know, being trained on this. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. You don't count your money when you're sitting at the table, do you? No, you don't. You don't do that. The proper thing to do is you, 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 you take the check, oh, thank you so much, and you, the same response, whether there's a nickel in there or $100 in there, it's, should, thank you so much, that was really kind of you. And that's why. And she noticed I didn't look at the check. She knew I didn't look at the check. And she said, I want you to look at it. Now, beforehand, she had asked, you know, what I needed in graduating. And so she thought I needed robes and all this other stuff as a, as a, as a priest. I was like, I just need some, you know, some books. So I, I turned the check over. Now, I'm 23 years old. It's a check for $10,000. My bank account never seen five figures. <laughs> Barely ever saw four. 
Some of you are like, I'm 45. The same true for me. <laughs> what do you say in that moment? Here, have some more mashed potatoes. I, I mean, do you, thank you seems so insulting, doesn't it? It doesn't seem to be adequate to the moment. I understood in that moment that woman who broke the jar of perfume and started washing Jesus' feet. That makes sense, doesn't it? I wasn't going to do that. But I understood it in that moment. Because when you're a prostitute, far from God, with no place before God, and you hear that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has forgiven you, that makes sense, doesn't it? I was so overwhelmed with gratitude, I didn't know what to say. I couldn't even write her a thank you note. I didn't know what to write. Worse, she'd come for Christmas from that point, you know, because I was away from it. I'd never seen her, so I was home for Christmas that year, and she came to Christmas dinner. I couldn't talk to her. I didn't know what to say. Nothing seemed adequate or right or appropriate. I literally was tongue-tied every time I saw her. I felt so indebted. Do I like, you know, kiss her butt every time she walks in the door and open the door for her and pull her chair out and, and be her hand servant every time she comes in because I'm $10,000, people. What do you do? Or maybe somebody's forgiven you of a debt. You crash their car and they say, don't worry about it. I'll pay for it. You hurt, injured them. It's something that's an injury that's going to last for a lifetime. They don't sue you. What do you do? Now take all of these different emotions, this awe, this wonder, this whoa, this moment of smallness of uh, uh, wow. The sense of authority. The sense of awareness of your own sin. Overwhelming sense of gratitude. Imagine experiencing all of those emotions at the exact same time. I fell as though I were dead. Get off my boat. I'm too sinful. Just go, just go, just go. Woe is me. I'm done for. The fear of the Lord overcomes you when you understand just who God is and you're in his presence. If you couldn't imagine it, maybe you can experience it through video. I'm not afraid. Yeah. You will be. You will be. Find something to poke him with. Oh my god. This is the dangers of sitting in the wild and not taking a moment just to 
observe your surroundings. Come on, go the other way. Go the other way. I don't know what to do, I think. unexpectedly and the God Jehovah will execute his vengeance on ye who despise his dying love and trample his benefits underfoot the unconverted soul the foolish children of man do miserably delude themselves in the false confidence of their own strength and wisdom and now he will deal with you now the great king of heaven and earth will abolish and annihilate this pride. Will crush the hardened wretch of the polluted infinite abomination and rain on him a deluge of fire and brimstone. 
in the matter of Her Majesty versus Gerard Patrick Conlon, the case is hereby dismissed. Just imagine feeling all of that at the exact same time. When Isaiah experienced that, he went from just being a priest to being a radical prophet for God. When Moses experienced that, he went from wandering around with sheep, scared to death of just one Egyptian official, to marching straight back into Egypt, leading the people of God, shepherding the people of God, looking at the most powerful man in Egypt and saying, let my people go. When Peter experienced that, he walked away from the fish and became a fisher of men. He would ultimately walk on water. And the same guy who was scared at the cross then walks out and leads 3,000 people to, Jesus Christ, to a relationship with Jesus Christ after his death and resurrection and looks out at people and says, who do I care? Am I going to obey God or man? Do with me what you will. And ultimately allows himself to be crucified. For when you fear the Lord, you fear nothing else. Jesus even said to them, don't fear the one who can take away your body. Fear the one who will take away your soul. For what can mortal men do to me? When you fear the Lord, you fear nothing else. And when you have a proper sense and fear of God, you move from this sense of, well, you know, Jesus, he, you know, I, I got to think with God. He understands. It ain't no big deal. It is a big deal. He don't think it's funny. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your very sin that you don't think is a big deal. When you have a sense and awareness that God has every right and is fully justified to pound that gavel and send you to an eternal hell, everything that mean preacher in there said is actually accurate. I don't like his delivery. I wouldn't preach like that. But nothing that he said in there was wrong. God does have the power and the right punish you for, a sin, for your sins. It's not until you recognize and realize that until you can actually sing that song Amazing Grace with some guttural sense of brokenness out of the fear and the reverence and the awe of God. Because grace isn't amazing unless you realize truly what grace is. And you realize that Jesus Christ died in my place. And because of what he did on the cross, I don't have to be forever eternity apart from God. When I stand before the judgment seat of God, it says in, in, in Corinthians, where everything I've ever done is going to be called into account. All the deeds, both good and bad, are going to be called into account. On that day, it will be case dismissed simply because Jesus Christ has paid for all of my debts. And I'm walking into eternity a free man. It's only when you understand 
the fear of the Lord that you experience amazing grace. It's only when I want my kids to know I love them and I want them to love me. But isn't there a time when those kids also need to fear their father? You don't want to come home doing that. You better not let me find you doing that. If it's so buddy, and there's times I look at my kids, I'll say, ah, oh, I ain't one of your friends at the lunch table. You show some respect. Mm-mm. We ain't doing that. Sometimes we get so too comfortable with God and his love over us, we take his grace for granted, and it's no longer amazing. When you understand the fear of the Lord, you begin to make wiser choices, don't you? Because you realize what your sin costs. Communion is a different experience in light of the fear of the Lord. Because you realize this actually represents his body, which was broken for you and for me on the cross for our sins. This cup actually represents his blood, which was shed for you and for me. He gave his life so we wouldn't have to give ours. When you understand the fear of the Lord and who he is, you appreciate the grace of God and the love that he's shown over you. Would you join with me to close in prayer? Father, may we come to understand and live in the reality of who you are and see ourselves as who we are. That in light of your holiness, we come before you as pathetic and broken and sinful. And Father, when we truly understand, Father, just how sinful we truly are, it's only then that we can appreciate just how much you must love us to die in our place. Father, may we grasp a healthy fear of you without you having to come and strike the fear into our hearts yourself. For God, it is so important to our life, you will stop at nothing that we might understand and have a healthy fear of you. Because all eternity is at stake. So Father, may we understand both your awe and majesty, but also your love at the same time. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.